0: Welcome to PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski. Your time is valuable, and so is mine, and that's why I am sharing these brief episodes with you. This one is focused on tongue lacerations. Yes, tongue lacerations are surprisingly common in pediatric patients seen in the ED. They happen most often due to mechanical falls, but they can also be post seizure or other facial trauma. The tongue is highly vascular, and it bleeds a lot, and this freaks families out, but it also heals very quickly, and in general, you don't really need to do anything for most tongue lacerations. It is possible to have a foreign body in the tongue, like fragments of teeth or a shard of a popsicle stick, but for the most part, there's not much you need to do. All right, so which tongue lacerations do you need to repair? Because suturing the tongue is actually really difficult, painful, and often requires sedation. A good schema is to repair those that cause problems with breathing, speech, and significant problems with gustation or swallowing. And really based on the cumulative evidence, lacerations that should be repaired include those that are much larger than two centimeters and extend into the musculature and are through and through. They create large flaps and gaps in both the neutral and protruded position. A deep laceration through the anterior or lateral border as they may cause dysfunction if not repaired. And it's like the snake tongue. A little laceration through the lateral border, you could still probably let go. And then obviously ongoing hemorrhage. So especially with bleeding disorders, I don't need to remind you, but factor first. And then an amputated or partially amputated tongue. This is going to need a trip to the OR with oral maxillofacial surgery. The key when assessing tongue lacerations, according to Siler et al., is looking at whether or not the laceration gapes when the tongue is in neutral position rather than protruded. Tongue protrusion requires muscle contraction and generally makes the wound look wider. All right, so the tongue, as I noted before, has a really great blood supply, and it's one of the fastest healing parts of the body, less than three to five days in many cases. The risk of infection is also incredibly low. There are, as you might imagine, limited studies in comparing suturing versus not, but most of the observational data suggests that the result is fine either way, honestly. I have a very detailed conversation with the parents about what you would need to do to repair it, the risks and benefits, and most agree with me that we don't need to suture these small tongue lacerations. You can generally tell parents that the wound will approximate itself over several days, usually less than a week. It will then look like a whitish raised patch on the tongue before receding into a more normal appearance over days to week. Initially, the wound is going to be sensitive, especially to salty, acidic, or spicy foods. A bland, soft diet can help Acetaminophen or ibuprofen are sufficient for pain control. And popsicles and other cold things can help the pain or swelling too. Sending patients home with a prescription for mouthwash is optional because let's face it, somebody under preschool age is not going to do it. After eating, make sure that there's no food particles in the wound. I send home with medication syringes so they can rinse with warm water and those toothets, those sponge swabby things. Older kids can swish and spit if they're able. And parents can irrigate out the area and clean it out with a medication syringe and those sponge sticks. Okay, so what if you do have to repair a tongue laceration? And many of these occur in younger children, you know, under kindergarten. So still ask yourself the following question. What will it take to repair this tongue in a way that minimizes the risk of airway catastrophe during sedation? Okay, important question. Even big ones can be left alone. So you need to get everything together ahead of time. This is going to require sedation in the vast majority of patients, probably more than oral anxiolysis, honestly, like IV ketamine. You can achieve local anesthesia by direct application of a viscous lidocaine gel applied to gauze held to the tongue for about five minutes. You can do 1% lidocaine injected into the tongue or an inferior alveolar nerve block, which will block the lingual nerve in the anterior two-thirds of the tongue you're going to need to control the tongue and keep it protruded. You can grab the tip of the tongue with forceps. You can place a large, this is like a 3 or two O suture through the tip of the tongue. And ultimately, getting that tongue out and protruded from the mouth exposes the wound and allows you to repair it. You'll need to use a bite block, copious sedation, and have the patient in a position where secretions and blood don't pool in the back of their pharynx. And there's no consensus on how many layers that you need to repair the tongue with you probably should bring muscle layers and, and deeper layers together. And in my practice, it's really been a two-layered approach in those tongues that I've sewn. Lots of irrigation without drowning the patient is important. And the length of the procedure is definitely an issue for younger or sedated patients. We also want these sutures to stay in place as they can become untied due to the normal movements of the tongue pretty easily. So the deep sutures are really what holds things together try to put in more deeps than superficials absorbable sutures obviously are what you want to use like 4-0 chromic gut you got to bury these knots in the tongue itself if possible and again my biggest concern is getting these sutures to stay in place so two or even three layers is what's needed to approximate this so you got to be fast and efficient and good at suturing on a tongue that'll still move around a little bit even if the patient is sedated i've thrown a link in the bottom of this post from Closing the Gap because they have a nice page on tongue lacerations. There are a couple of case reports using Dermabond on tongue lacerations. I'll link to those as well. But in the absence of comparative data, I can't draw any meaningful conclusions on the effectiveness of tissue adhesives versus suturing. And again, for most wounds, you're not going to have to suture. You should make sure that you explore the wound for foreign bodies, and you can take them out with irrigation, cotton-tipped applicators, or even forceps if necessary. Again, I don't irrigate or scrub tongue lacerations like I do cutaneous lacerations. All right, so in summary, the vast majority of tongue lacerations do not need to be repaired. In fact, if the child looks well, does not have any dental or facial injuries, and can talk and drink, this is one you can look at really quickly, give them a dose of pain medicine, and send them home. Unless patients are experiencing particular complications, they don't necessarily need to follow up with their pediatrician or dentist. There's some good references that actually show what a tongue will look like as it's healing. I'd recommend you show those to parents as well. All right, well, that's it for this brief episode on tongue lacerations. It's actually a thing you don't really have to do much about other than kind of know that you don't have to do anything about it. If you do need to suture it, make sure that you have an experienced person who has facile in sedation and airway control. If you've got feedback about this episode or any others, send it my way. Email, direct message, comments on the blog, or review on your favorite podcast site are all valid methods of feedback. I guess the kids say like and subscribe, so do that as well. And let me know if there's other topics you want me to tackle. For PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Soboleski. See you next time.